Hi, this is Randy Pfizer, CEO for AGU, and this is a third Pod from the Sun takeover. This is the second podcast on allyship. The first was released May 3rd and is available on From the Prow. Um, and today's episode is on AGU's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we'll be covering topics that include the history of AGU's work, which officially started in early 2000, long before my tenure began at AGU, and culminated in our first DEI annual report released in 2002. We're also going to cover what's happening within AGU, our programs, and an update on AGU landing and our eight action steps. And we're going to look at what's happening within our community and at large and what's next. Joining me to share their perspectives on these topics are Billy Williams, AGU's Executive Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, and Lisa White, Director of Education and Outreach at the Museum of Paleontology, University of California, Berkeley. She is also the Chair of AGU's Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Committee, as well as an EOS Science Advisor. Welcome to the episode, Billy and Lisa. Thank you, Randy. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Randy. It's my pleasure to be able to join this, this podcast. Well, I am beyond excited to have the two of you here. You are both amazing leaders um, in the AGU community at large, but also your focus in on um, diversity, equity, inclusion has been incredibly admirable. Um, I, as a person who's devoted my life to DEI, I am just in awe of the work that you have done um, to advance earth and space science and the diversity, equity, inclusion needed in the community. So thank you so much for your work. It's a privilege. So with that, um, I would love to start off with a uh, question to you, Billy, is could you talk about a, a little bit about the, the longstanding history that AGU has had in its commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yeah, really, I'm happy to. AGU began working in this area a long time before I joined AGU because I joined AGU in 2012. But back in the early 2000s, I think it was 2001 or 2002, the AGU established, it had a committee on education and human resources. And that group actually developed AGU's first AGU diversity plan. And that plan was released in 2002. So even like 20 years ago, AGU was working in this area. And that plan looked at, had four major goals. The goals were around educating and involving membership in diversity issues, enhancing participation of sciences uh, and science educators, uh, and those from underrepresented groups at the time, and increasing the visibility of, of earth based sciences and awareness of career opportunities, and then promoting changes in the academic culture around DEI. And at that time, it was just called diversity and inclusion. So uh, it was back then that AGU came out with its first diversity plan. But at the same time, in 2003, AGU actually convened a collaboration with 50 other scientific societies demonstrating AGU's willingness to be a leader in the arena of DEI uh, at the time. So that was, again, that was before my time. I can't tell you much about that, that convening, that conference in 2003, but there are some AGU members that are still around who could probably tell you tell you more about that. 
And then since then, we've been working towards those items that were outlined in 2002. That'd be great. Why don't Why don't we expand on that a little bit? Um, so you joined AGU, um, but it wasn't actually in the role of leading diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, so kind of take me from the time that you arrived at AGU to where we are today. Yeah, that's great. Because when I joined AGU, Randy, it was in 2012. Uh, I joined AGU as Director of Science. And because I came in as Director of Science, I was also involved, had some involvement with ethics-related issues, but primarily ethics in publications. But at about that same time, AGU was standing up or in the process of of actually updating its ethics policy. So that was the first major update to AGU ethics policy that took place in the 2012, 2013 timeframe, about the same time I joined AGU. So we started having ethics related meetings uh, at fall meetings every year. So that was the point where that committee put ethics on the map for AGU. And then we took that forward uh, through requiring people who join our meetings to sign off on an ethics statement, uh, having code of meetings, code of conduct, all those things happened in the 2014 timeframe. And then around 2015, uh, the issue of harassment in science uh, became, came to the public view. A lot of people knew about harassment, but it was something that people weren't talking about publicly. Uh, but there was a well-known case out at UC Berkeley, actually, uh, that because it was close to home for AGU, we sponsored a town hall meeting on that topic in 2015. And from there, we started getting uh, members were reacting to the fact that we were proactive on addressing these things that previously had not been discussed. Uh, so my role in, in ethics, uh, we saw it as an ethics issue. In 2017, we updated our ethics policy to include harassment, discrimination, and bullying as scientific misconduct. So that happened in 2017, Randy, and that was the first, we were the first organization, Scientific Society, to really name harassment uh, as scientific misconduct. That's huge. Yeah, it was huge. And we were, we were expecting pushback, but we didn't get the pushback because at the same time we were involved with the National Academy's report that really spotlighted uh, harassment as a major issue in STEM. And, and we were out in front and, and addressing it and being proactive about putting policies and practices in place. So that was really, I think, over the past, since I've been at AGU, that was the period between 2015 and 2018 that really cemented us as being proactive, not afraid to take a stand and looking at addressing harassment as an ethics issue. And then my role in ethics evolved because I was leading that charge. And that was before I became director of DEI. I was science director, but leading the charge for ethics in AGU. It's been, it's been, uh, we've been growing since then. Yeah. So I want to bring you and Lisa a little bit into your so what, what's happening in your life around this time, um, this period, and your connection to AGU? Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I joined AGU in 1985. So I was a graduate student at the time. But my first AGU fall meeting was, I believe, in 82 or 83 when I was an undergraduate at San Francisco State. 
And so obviously I benefited from the conference being in San Francisco every year. Yeah. And I initially went to meet a mentor. So I'd received a scholarship as an undergraduate and a mentor came along with the scholarship and he was going to be at, at AGU and and so invited me to meet him. At the time, AGU was at one hotel, one single hotel in a different part of San Francisco. But I remember thinking that it was a very homogenous uh, professional organization and the science was so vast. So I was pretty well focused on a classic geology degree at that time. And so I had not really connected with with the space sciences or the atmospheric sciences. And on the one hand, it was a little bit intimidating, but I also found myself really inspired by the range of topics that were presented at an AGU meeting. And as I became a regular attendee through graduate school and then through my um, early professional years as a faculty member, at San Francisco State University, there were visible changes to the amount of diversity themed sessions at the fall meeting. I was running a program for pre-college students in the early 2000s. And in 2003, I believe was the first Bright Stars session. So students training as research scientists, a wonderful opportunity that continues today for pre-college students to present posters on on their research. Uh, So I became more hopeful. You know, in the beginning, my early years as a student member, I don't know that I expected much around diversity from AGU. Uh, I was just so focused on trying to get my degree and and doing what I could in, in other networks to promote diversity. So I was very excited as I saw some things were beginning to happen. And I continue to be excited and optimistic about future opportunities. But yeah, it was a very slow change. But as Billy mentions, with some of those very important steps of, you know, establishing diversity as a priority, there begin to see to be some change. Randy, if I could just jump in and, and add something to what Lisa said. She mentioned Bright Stars. Bright Stars was established back in the early 2000s, well before it came to AGU, but that's pro- that's a program that brings students into our fall meeting in middle school and high school, and they can present. And, and I'm, I'm so proud when I go in to see a Bright Star student presenting, but that, that's inspirational. So that's something that happened early on for AGU, and, and we've maintained that program to today. So sorry, Lisa, I just wanted to tack that in. That, that started early on in AGU, and it's very inspirational still today. And, I mean, you with what you both have just shared, both from the, the staff member perspective and then from the experience of being a member um, and a part of this community, it really does show the the, the amount of years that have been dedicated to and may surprise a lot of people to diversity, equity, and inclusion at AGU. However, there's still so much more that needs to be done in the, the representation of the, the earth space science community is still sorely underrepresentative of the diversity that we would hope that it would, would be a part after 20 years of work. So uh, I think you know it'll be important in our conversation to talk a little about the the whys that it takes so much to change. But I know so much has been done in the last fourteen months as it relates to the strategic plan, 
our dashboard, the eight action steps and, and AGU landing, not to mention other programs we have. So if we can kind of maybe talk about the last 14 months um, with both of you um, and, and sort of what has been happening in the world, obviously there was a huge inflection point, not just COVID being an inflection point, but obviously the murder of George Floyd and the, the sort of focus on this issue domestically in the U.S., your thoughts and, and obviously so much work between the two of you on this. Yeah. If I could jump in, then I'll turn it up to Lisa and just talk about what happened up to the last 18 months in terms of the progress that was made from the early diversity plan was mostly around gender, gender diversity. And so while we had efforts looking at uh, diversity as a whole, the major progress was made in AGU between the early years and the two and the most recent years around gender diversity. And I would say that's just in the last 18 to 24 months, you've really seen more happening around looking at diversity for other groups within AGU and especially around recognizing issues uh, around uh, the marginalized groups uh, or the historically underrepresented groups. In AGU, and I think Lisa can talk more about that, especially through work for the BNI committee. Right, right, and uh, obviously, it goes without saying that a, a professional society that agrees to form a very visible diversity, equity, and inclusion committee, uh, whose charge is thoroughly integrated with priorities of the society, has an opportunity to uh, be successful in a way that has not been my experience on some other diversity committees that frankly felt like window dressing, you know, and, and I think the combination of the way that AGU uh, structured our advisory committee and also coming on the heels of the task force, the strategic plan beforehand, uh, the early years, as we talked about, uh, that really did uh, call for a need to focus not only on the role of, of harassment and the experiences of women in our science, but really visibly and prioritizing um, the experiences of, of underrepresented scientists. And um, and it's and it's been really kind of a, a whirlwind uh, two years since the advisory uh, committee uh, formed, and we've got terrific membership that has so much experience uh, in really many corners of not only DEI, but their stature and experience as, as professional scientists. And, and among some of our accomplishments have included additional uh, kinds of diversity and inclusion programming at the, the fall meeting and, and really supporting efforts in society to to expand the talent pool and support, you know, many of the programs that are in the uh, ethics and equity office and uh, the dashboard, uh, of course, which is such an important uh, component in our ability to track how AGU is doing. Uh, and I'm also been really excited by the number of, of alliances and collaborations and networks we've connected with that have led us to a whole series of, of webinars over this past year that were an important series of steps and really the call to action uh, for all of our community to respond um, to, you know, a year that was unlike no other. 
the sort of triple pandemic, you know, the health crisis and the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor murders and the ongoing need to just wake up to doing things differently when it comes to making progress for underrepresented scientists. Just so much has been happening and um, both on the um, a need to step up and react because the things happening in our world, but also the the this is so important to our science and the the need to have the diversity of voices to deal with the diversity of challenges that we face in our world, climate change to societal challenges. I, I think it really underpins why this is so important. Um, you, you mentioned a couple things. One is, you know, the, the strategic plan obviously has DEI built in as a major goal. Um, there's the dashboard, which adds the transparency. There's also the eight action steps uh, that were put out, which really was not about be, going beyond the lip service component that you mentioned and alluded to, Lisa, of just window dressing and, and moving into saying we have some measurable actions that we want to take and we are going to um, hold ourselves accountable to that progress. And Randy, something additional I wanted to mention is how much I value uh, the way that AGU expectations tie the science priorities to uh, DI practices as well, whether uh, it's our science of of understanding climate change and environmental change, sustainability and natural resources or hazards and the need to be certain uh, that we're being equitable as we share information with communities. So programs like Thriving Earth Exchange are, of course, part of um, that connection to ensure the science priorities also are um, applying best DEI practices. What does all of that in, in Billy, your mind mean to demonstrating the commitment that AGU has to this and actually doing something about the overall challenge? We, we've done this not, and we can't do this alone because some of the issues we're dealing with are so big uh, and, and have been around for a long, long time, as you all know. So we also partner and leverage with others and through others to make some of these things happen. There's so many other programs that we leverage in and partner on that we're convinced, I'm convinced that we are uh, moving the needle. It might be slow uh, to many, uh, and but it's across the broad, the broad spectrum of DEI-related issues, whether it's around LGBTQ-related issues or whether it's uh, uh, we, we, we've supported a new uh, Asian American and Pacific Islanders group. Uh, they have started their own group, but we're trying to provide them support to get them started as well in terms of some of the other harassment and violence-related issues that that community has experienced. So uh, I'm, I'm very proud that we don't take a narrow view, that we take a broad view, and we always put actions behind it. Yeah, that that is incredibly powerful when you apply it to the work and the importance, again, of the diversity to the work and I know these are only some of the in-house DEI successes that we've had at, at AGU. And we're, we're going to need a part two, actually, to talk about some other things. I want to thank everybody who has uh, attended this third pod from the sun. Mm-hmm.